Welcome back to Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. This is episode two. Today we're going to be talking about lumber grading. Now, the first thing you may be thinking is, why do I need to know about lumber grading? How, why is that important to me? You can go to a lumber yard and you'll see the different grades on the boards and that's what you need to know, right? That stack over there is FAS lumber. That stack over there is number one common. That's what it says it is. Why do you need to know more than that? Well, that's what this episode is all about. I want to start by talking a little bit about the grading systems, how they came into being, what that really means, and most importantly, how you can use just a basic knowledge of lumber grades to help you shop for lumber, help you get a better deal on lumber, but most importantly, plan your projects. You can go from the drawing board to a lumber shopping list and have a lot more success at the lumber yard with a basic understanding of grades. So let's start with the grading systems. We in North America adhere to the NHLA, that's the North American Hardwood Lumber Association official grades. NHLA grades came to be in the 1950s. They were standardized, I should say, in the 1950s. NHLA grades are what we would refer to as a cutting grade. What it tells you is how to cut a board to get the best grade for that particular yield of board. When the grades were standardized, the primary industry was furniture. So really, NHLA has always been skewed towards furniture making. So for those of us woodworkers like myself that are furniture makers, that's a great thing. But in the modern world, shall we say, furniture making is not nearly the industry that it used to be. It's not even a tertiary or quadrary importance anymore. And the grades that the furniture industry needs are much, much lower than some of the millwork industries require. And the, the reason for this, just think about it. Furniture requires much smaller parts, you know, unless you're building things like beds, but even a bed can only, you know, the rail is maybe only 65 inches long and it's six to eight inches wide at most. That's the biggest piece you're really going to run into. Most of the parts that you're looking for are much narrower and much shorter. So you can get away with a lot more defects in a board and cut around them. That's what I talk about when I'm talking about a cutting grade and still get perfectly clear material. Today, when we're running flooring, when we're running um, long uh, baseboard moldings, crown moldings, boat building, things like that, that require much longer runs, 15, 16, 26 feet long, being able to get a clear cutting grade out of that can be very, very difficult. So the problem is the top of the NHLA grade, FAS, stands for first and seconds, is not even close to what most millwork houses require. Moreover, there is a general trend in just wood users for higher quality, clearer material. In fact, you hear the term clear all the time. And according to NHLA, clear is not a grade. So moving away from that, there are softwood grades. And kind of like on our first episode of Lumber Terms, when I was referring mostly to hardwoods, I'm not really going to go down the softwood grade side of things because that is a nightmare. Again, the softwood industry is mostly geared towards construction. So most of the grades you're talking about are structural grades. They're not really graded for defects and for appearance, but more for how strong will it be. Now, certainly certain defects do affect the strength of a particular board. 
So all the grades that you see in softwoods, first of all, they're incredibly confusing. There's all kinds of ifs and buts, and maybe on a Tuesday, it's this grade. On a Thursday, it's this grade. It's really kind of a pain. So I don't really want to go down that particular rabbit hole. Maybe in a future episode, there are appearance grades in softwood grading, and that's when you start to really get into more of the timber side of things, where if you are timber framing a house and you want to have those beams exposed, or if you're timber framing um, and plan to have interior use beams, there can be appearance grades that will not have knots and will be less prone to checking and things like that. But that again is kind of an offshoot. And in many instances, it's not even official grade. It's something that's spun out of modern demand for um, prettier timber frame homes. Outside of the US, however, there are other grades that come into play, and, and really there's a bunch of different ones. Um, the African sawmills have their own grades. The, um, what is it, the African, oh shoot, I'm gonna forget the acronym. It's like the ATIBT, uh, African Trade Industries Board of Trade, or something like that, that the ATIBT, yeah. African sawmills try to adhere to this particular grade but really it's an offshoot of the European grades. And if you think back to Africa, Asia, South America, when they first started lumber coming from those areas first became a thing, it was really the Dutch East India Company and European concerns that were doing the logging and bringing the lumber back to really the Western markets. So all of the grading systems and the sawing practices and things spun out of European tradition. So for the most part, when we're talking about international lumber grades, we're really referring to European grading. And that is not a cutting grade. That is a clear grade. They are graded for appearance, not for a particular size that it's gonna be cut to, not cutting around defects. So the top of that grade is known as FEQ, or first European quality. This is a very, very different game. Most of the tropical woods, the, the African woods, the South American woods, and even a lot of the European woods are much clearer, much larger and longer than what we were getting in North America. Um, and I'm talking about when it, NHLA really came on the scene. Certainly you can go back into days of yore where there were forests from you know the East Coast to the West Coast and we had huge ginormous trees. You could say the same thing in Europe and in um, Eastern Europe, and as you move up into the boreal forests of Russia, there are a lot of enormous trees. In the rainforest climates where the trees are growing really, really fast, it's a very similar story. Look at most of the African species like Udali or the African mahoganies or Sapili. They're enormous trees, really, really ginormous boles. That's the central trunk of a tree where you can fell a log that's six feet in diameter and is totally clear the first branch is something like 28 feet off the ground. It produces a very different type of tree. Plus, with warm weather and very little seasonal changes all year round, you don't really get the interrupted grain pattern of early and late growth like you find in more temperate uh, species. There's also very little sapwood in these particular species because of that seasonal consistency year round. So grading them by the same standard is very difficult to do. Now I say that, and unfortunately, because North America is very, um, shall I say, egocentric 
Well, let's face it, we are the largest market, largest consumer market in the world. So we kind of have the ability to dictate terms. So the NHL grading rules get superimposed on exotic lumber all the time. Go to any lumber yard in the US or Canada and you're going to find FAS mahogany. Well, mahogany is an exotic and it shouldn't be graded by North American hardwood standards. Just about all mahogany you see is always going to be FAS because there's very few defects in mahogany as compared to North American species. And because NHLA is a cutting grade, you're gonna be able to get the cutting requirements so easily in most of these exotic species. So things start to fall apart a little bit when you're getting teak graded FAS. If you are a boat builder that's looking for very discerning quality teak, you are going to specifically seek out FEQ, which is going to be 100% clear of defects. So we talked about defects. I'm gonna talk about the allowable amounts and kind of get into the nitty gritty of the grades, but I wanna talk a little bit more about defects because you're going to find that there are differences from the North American standard to the European standard. And this goes back again to cutting grade versus clear grade. So talking about NHLA, what is a defect to them? Knots of any kind, tight knots, loose knots, they're all a defect. Any checks, splits, or bark pockets are going to be a defect. Pith in the board, again, that's the center of the tree, or wane, that um, uh, kind of chamfered, natural chamfer on the edge as you come near the edge of the board and the outer roundness of the log is visible. Wane is definitely a defect. Any worm or grub holes are defects. Bird pecks are defects. Of course, rot and decay, that is definitely a defect. Sticker stain from kiln or air drying sticks is a defect for the NHLA. And that's something that's particularly important because a lot of lumber is sawn and graded. It's sawn for a specific grade, but the sticker stain happens after the sawing. So the grade can actually change through downstream from the actual sawmill that originally sawed up X board feet of FAS material. And if it's dried improperly or they got lazy in the drying process, that you know, 100% FAS material could suddenly only be 50% because of the sticker stain showing up later. Any of these elements that are present and interrupt the face, they reduce the size of the clear cut that can be obtained. And that is really what determines what the grade is. Now, things that NHLA does not consider to be defects. Sapwood to heartwood transitions is not a defect. And this is a real problem now because there's a lot of people out there who absolutely will not take cherry with sapwood in it or walnut with sapwood in it. Or on the flip side, maple with heartwood because the heartwood of maple is brown. It's the white sapwood that we really want. If you have any of that in there, it can be rejected even though it is still the finest grade available according to North American standards. Any mineral streaking or tracks like glassworm that you might find in ash, that is not a defect. Burl is not a defect. That's probably good for, for those of us weekend woodworkers who love burl. Um, sticker marks, not sticker stain, there is a difference there. Sticker marks that can be removed with planing are not considered a defect. And it's very difficult to sometimes tell the difference between these. Um, the sticker marks are, are really much more um, skin deep, where sticker stain almost looks more like a shadow on the board. You can recognize it if you see it, or if you plane the board and it doesn't come away, it's a sticker stain. Finally, gum streaks, very common in species like cherry. Those are not defects. It's just a good thing because there's a lot of gum pockets in most of cherry and nothing would ever meet the grade. 
So these elements, the ones that are not defects, they definitely do not affect the structural integrity of the lumber. In many cases, they're actually very appealing. Things like burl and figure, those can be very uh, appealing dependent upon the industry that is going to buy it. Figure is actually very much a defect for a lot of the molding and millwork companies because figure will tear out like crazy when you run it through a molder. They're looking for nice, plain, straight grain. But again, NHLA does not consider figure or burls to be a defect. So for a millwork house making long runs of molding, just buying FAS lumber is not going to get you there. Now, if we go to the European grades, this is a very different story. Because these are appearance grades, they will not allow certain things. Now, uh, there's a lot of similarities in the fact that knots and things, anything that's going to affect the, the surface is, is definitely a defect. But according to European standards, sap is a defect. Curly, figured grain, burls, anything outside of straight grain is a defect. So there's, there's the major difference. All the other NHLA recognized defects are defects in the European grades, but figured material, something that a lot of woodworkers just, we drool over figured stuff, that is absolutely a defect in European lumber. Because again, they're trying to get a clear grade. FAQ would really be a 100% clear board. Pin knots, tiny little knots that you might find from plantation grown stuff, even though they may only be like a 16th of an inch across, that is a defect and cannot be acceptable in FEQ. Now, there really isn't a level under FEQ. It's kind of FEQ or nothing. There have been some other grades that have grown out of that just because really as quality has started to go, you know, wane over the years and boards have gotten smaller and things like that people have had to come up with more uh, a, a secondary type grade but there's still no kind of official grading system it's feq or it's nothing the one loosening you may find is while feq required all of this clear on both faces of the board that has been relaxed a little bit and now it's just feq one face is acceptable because there are very rare examples where both faces are going to be visible so let's back up and look at NHLA grading. As I just said, FEQ is looking for 100% clear, all about clear grade, has nothing to do with the sizes of the boards. It just has to do with the appearance of the board. So in a lot of ways, while FEQ is a very hard standard to meet, it's actually a lot easier to understand because you don't have to worry about any kind of cutting sizes or anything like that. In NHLA standards, we have FAS, that's our top grade, that's first and second. Then we have select, which is really FAS, but only on one face. You're requiring FAS standards only on one face. Then you have number one common and number two common. There are grades below that, but frankly, they're just really not commercially sold as hardwoods. Once you get below number two common, the lumber becomes things like dunnage or pallet stock. Um, and, and that doesn't really, that's not something you're really gonna find at a, a lumber yard, retail, wholesale, even a sawmill. So the FAS grade, again, the top grade, what, what we're talking about here is first and foremost, there is, can only be 83.3% defect in the cutting size. So let's look about this. FAS requires the minimum board size to be six inches wide and eight feet long. The minimum cutting 
that you can get out of that board with 83% free of defect needs to be four inches wide by five feet long or three inches wide by seven feet long. So let's let's dissect this a little bit. We can have a, a board that's six, six by eight. It must be six by eight. It could be seven by nine, that's fine, but it must be six by eight. So think about that. Go to a lot of lumber yards and what do you see a lot of? You see a lot of six inch wide material. Certainly you'll find some eight inch stuff, you'll find some 10 inch stuff, but the lion's share of what you find is six inch material. That's because that's what the grade dictates. And many sawmills are sawing to the grade because it doesn't really behoove them to create a board that's well above grade if they're not gonna get a higher price for it. And this is again where that bent towards the furniture industry has kind of shot us in the foot now that we've moved further downstream and further away from furniture. It's not really in the interest of these sawmills to create better than grade because they're just not gonna get a better price for it. You may find in some instances where particularly wide lumber, when you can find figured lumber and things like that, um, now we're seeing uh, you know a look at wide slabs and live edge and things like that. This, those are unique situations that kind of get priced individually. For the lion's share of what's being sold out there, they're sawing it to six inches wide. So when you hear somebody say, yeah, the trees aren't as big as they used to, maybe maybe there's some there's validity to that, but they're a lot bigger than the boards that you're seeing. Those boards are being ripped down to hit that minimum board size of six foot by eight foot. And they will usually leave them a little bit longer because they expect some checking and things on the end as it dries. So you get like a 10 foot board that's in trimmed and put on the rack as six by eight and a half. Now that six by eight foot board can have defects in it it can actually have quite a few defects in it. You could have a whole bunch of defects crowded down on one end of the board. As long as you can cut out a piece from that six by eight, that's four by five or three by seven, that is 83% clear, 83.33% clear to be exact. That's the FAS. Again, FAS select is the same standard, but it only has to be one face. So you could have another face that has more knots or other defects in it, and you can't get those minimum cutting sizes out of it, and it will still qualify for select. Number one common, this calls for 66 and two thirds, 66.66% free of defects. Your minimum board size here drops down to three by four feet, three inches by four feet. Your cutting size is four by two or three by three. So this actually shrinks down a little bit more. When you think about the minimum board size and the cutting sizes that come out of that, there actually are, are less defects in many instances in that board because there's not as much left over uh, around those minimum cutting sizes. Number two, and really number three common would fall to the same thing. Minimum or uh, the, the yield here, the defects can be 50%. 50% of the board must be free of defects. It must be a three inch by four foot long board. The minimum cutting size here is three inches by two feet. Those are the rules. Now there's a bunch of other ancillary things. You'll also find there's some specific rules for specific species. Walnut, for example, um, has, a, has a, 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 shall we say, a loosening of the standards to be FAS just because walnut is, is a very gnarly tree. It's more of an open field tree that branches out very quickly. There's a lot more knots, there's a lot more defects in it. And in order to get FAS walnut, well, they used to be able to get it without a problem and then they had to kind of lower the standards. And this is a trend that's been happening since the 50s. When you say it's not the same as it used to be, well, <laughs> the grades are still there because they keep loosening the grades and keep making it easier to make the grade.
that's kind of a problem. But at the same time, you know, what are you going to do if you can't get good quality lumber? I guess we could just start selling it all as number one common, but I don't think that would be of interest to anybody in the lumber industry because there's a pretty major price difference between FAS and number one common. Now, I know as consumers of wood, we don't like to hear that. We would love to be able to get the best deal we can, but as business owners selling wood, they still want to try to get the best price they can. So when that grade slips a little and it allows them to make a little bit more on a slightly less than FAS board, they're a lot happier. No judgment. You got to make you got to make a living, right? But that's what's happening. The loosening of the grade is happening all over the place. So let's step a little bit away. That that's the the basics of NHLA. Um, there, as I said, there's there's all kinds of other stuff. You can actually get certified to be an NHLA grader. I went through a grading class. I didn't actually go to the certification because it wasn't necessary for me as a marketing guy to to get certified and to pay for all that stuff to be certified. But I sat in, I, I audited, I passed failed the class and there's a lot of other stuff and there's a whole big book on all this. But as far as having a rudimentary understanding of it all, that's really all you need to know. Let's look a little bit at uh, plywood because certainly we're, we're all gonna be using plywood from time to time. Plywood is kind of like softwood and that it is just an absolute nightmare. <laughs> There's so many different standards and grades and again, very conditional type grading as well. But the easy thing to understand is it's a letter system. AA, BB, AC, CD, A being the best grade. Um, you're gonna have two letters. Uh, AA refers to both faces being A grade. There are kind of non-standard grades that are like AA and AAA, meaning even higher grade. Um, you will find a lot of uh, cabinet grade plywood will be an AB or an AC plywood. You've got one really nice face and then the back face would be a C, sometimes even a D, a much lower face. That just means there's, there's gonna be allowed more defects and things like that in that face because maybe it's going up against a wall and you're never gonna see that other face. A lot of cabinet grade plywood will have a less attractive interior face because you're never going to see the inside of the cabinet. Now, at the same time, you'll find things like shop grade, which will be, you know, CD type plywood because it's just going in a shop or it's going to end up being painted or something like that. The other thing you have to look at in those grades is they'll tell you a little bit about the face. You know, is it rotary cut? Is it sequence match? Is it quartered? Is it slip match? These all refer to the face veneers and what that face veneer looks like. Then you can go into all kinds of other stuff about the core that will tell you about the construction of the core and how it's made up. But for the most part, when you're going to buy plywood, you're going to hear those, those letters, AA, AC, BB, et cetera, et cetera. Every now and then you may find a one. It's kind of a similar situation and I don't necessarily think you're gonna run into a lot of situations like that where you need to be too concerned about it. Um, really for hardwood plywood, we're not talking about softwood plywood. That's where if you have that one in, there's usually a softwood face fin in there. If you're talking about hardwood plywood, it's gonna be two letters, AA, AB, et cetera, et cetera. That's really all I wanna say about plywood just because like softwood, it's kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> I went through a, a seminar on plywood grading and like 10 minutes into it, I was like, what, <laughs> what is going on? What just happened? Because you just contradicted yourself like six times in that sentence. And I just don't understand what's going on. So let's talk a little bit about how we can use this grading knowledge. And some of you may already be going, Ooh, this could be really helpful. So here's the thing. 
FAS is really the de facto grade. That is what everyone wants. As I said earlier, the industries and the market itself demands higher quality material. As you know, we get excited as woodworkers when new people come into the craft. Well, at the same time, all of these people coming into discovering making forget that this is an organic product and there's going to be defects in it. We're inundated with so many um, engineered and, and composite products you know, these Corians and, and MDFs and some of the like, I'm thinking of like plastic materials, the decking materials and things like that, that are completely defect free because they're not organic. They're, they were made that way. So a lot of people tend to put that same standard. I see this from a lot of architects actually, who they have a library of samples. Well, you know, you cut a sample of the lumber yard, you're cutting the prettiest, most defect-free board, and it goes in that architect's library, and they go, okay, this is what Wingay looks like. This is what Cherry looks like. You ship them a bunch of material, and they're like, wait, what is all this stuff? Well, you know, when you get an actual board instead of a piece that's eight inches long, there's gonna be variance in it. I see this a lot with tropical decking, where people see just like a, a little swatch of the board or like a color swatch and think, oh, my whole deck's gonna look like that. Then they go look at the deck and they complain because there's color variation. And I look at them and go, yeah, it's lumber. <laughs> lumber has color variation. But there is a disconnect there. There is this lack of understanding that we're talking about in organic material. So what that translates down to the sawmills and the lumber yards is better and better and better quality, as clear as you possibly can. FAS gets you like 70% of the way there with most of the customers that are demanding 100% clear. And if you remember, FAS only requires 83% clear. So you end up with a lot of stuff that is labeled as FAS, but it will actually be better quality than what FAS calls for from a defect perspective. That cutting size is still going to be that limiting factor. You're gonna get a lot of those six inch boards. This goes back to what I said at the very beginning, NHLA is a cutting grade, not a clear grade. And that's kind of at odds with one another. It can be kind of a problem. So when you go to a retail lumber yard, you go to a wholesale yard, you're going to find mostly FAS material because when they bring in this common material, it just sits and sits and sits and it doesn't turn because nobody wants it. But at the same time, when you have a pack of FAS lumber, unless you specifically bought it to be 100% FAS, it's going to be guaranteed a percent FAS, you know, 80% FAS. There's gonna be some boards in there that may not meet the grade because in a larger volume, you maybe can't necessarily require that. If you do require it, there's more labor on the, the, the sawmill side of things, which raises the price. So when you go in and start picking through boards and pulling out all the pretty boards, you may actually be leaving common boards behind. But that particular pack of lumber has a price tag associated with it. It was bought at a certain cost and every board in that pack has that cost on the books and in inventory. Well, if because it's been picked over, the grade starts to slip and now you have number one common boards that have this FAS cost on them, you know, as a lumber yard, you have to figure out how am I gonna make any profit whatsoever on this? Because the cost difference from FAS to number one common is dramatic, a very dramatic price difference. If you, that downgraded lumber, then you sell it at a, a retail price or even a wholesale price for, for number one common, 
but you've got a cost of FAS, you might, if you're lucky, make a couple of pennies a board foot in profit. And that's a real problem. So this stuff just sits and sits and sits because you know, the, the lumber guy may not be willing to take a loss or just let it go for something like that. And it'll just really becomes completely devalued because the longer it sits around, the more the moisture may be kind of an issue. So this is why in many instances, there are a lot of lumber yards that aren't real keen on you coming and just picking through a whole bunch of boards because they recognize that you might actually be devaluing the pack. Again, such as the cost of doing business, if you're buying, if you've got a kind of a savvy buying hat on, you can get away with buying higher quality grades of lumber and getting a higher percentage in a particular pack. Now, from a furniture making perspective, think about those cutting sizes. And immediately, a lot of us are thinking, well, man, I should buy more number one common, even number two common. I can get a lot of material out of there. Well, here's the thing. The flooring industry buys pretty much 100% number two common. Think about your average pack of flooring boards. First of all, only one face is visible. The edges aren't going to be visible and they are narrow boards. Unless you're specifically buying wide plank flooring, most flooring is gonna be two, three, maybe four inches. Four inches is considered wide for flooring and it comes in random lengths. It could be three feet long, it could be six feet long. Rarely you're finding flooring boards that are going to be a full eight feet long. So those minimum cutting sizes, those minimum board sizes required of number two common are very easy to get for the flooring industry. So when the sawmills saw up a log and they get number two common material, it never even makes it on a truck to a wholesale or retail yard. It goes immediately to a flooring manufacturer. So there's very little number two common actually hitting the open market. It's all going to lumber liquidators, folks, and, and people like that. So we rarely see it. So if you're thinking, I'm gonna save money by buying number two common, good luck finding it. Unless you go directly to a sawmill and you can strike a deal with a guy to say, give me some number two common, but more than likely, he's probably already on some sort of buying program with a flooring company, and 100% of his number two is just going straight to that flooring company. You might be able to intercept a few boards here or there before it goes on the truck off to lumber liquidators, but you're fighting a bit of a losing battle there. Number one common, however, there will be a lot more of that because that's way above grade for what the flooring guys need. But again, because so many of these sawmills, mostly what they're selling is FAS material. So if you're buying from a retail yard that is not also a sawmill, you're not going to find any number one common, very little number one common. You may find it in certain species, but you know your cherries and walnuts and maples, it's probably all going to be FAS. Um, <laughs> Walnut would be FAS-ish because of the slipping of the grade there. If you go to a place that does saw their own lumber, they are going to have more number one common. And in fact, they probably, the stuff they're stocking on site will probably be mostly number one common because the FAS is all being bought by another distribution yard. So you can save some money buying number one common and you'll find some really nice boards in number one common that you can very easily cut around those defects and get furniture sized parts. But again, you may have to go a little bit further afield to find a sawmill that's going to have that material for you. But let's talk about those cutting sizes. Most importantly, let's talk about the minimum board size. If you are got your graph paper out, you've got your SketchUp model out, and you're looking at this project that you want to build, and your next step is to kind of figure out how much lumber do I need to buy, what kind of boards do I want to use? This is really my favorite part of the project, figuring out how am I going to get this best grain and color match on the top of this table or the side of this cabinet? Or how can I get a cool grain effect across all the drawers of this chest? 
And many times when you're looking for the best color match, it comes from getting the parts out of as few of boards as possible. If I can get all the parts for my dining tabletop out of one board, I'm gonna get a better grain and color match from that one particular board. Well, if you know that your lumberyard is gonna have FAS material, and you know that FAS material to be FAS requires a six by eight foot long board, you can build out your parts list, your lumber shopping list, assuming six by eight. Now, you may have this plan to think, wouldn't it be great to have you know, just one glue line down the center of that 36 inch wide dining table? And you can go to that yard looking for that nice wide lumber that maybe you can do a single or two board glue up. That's your plan A, that's your perfect world, right? But where a lot of people go wrong is they go to the lumber yard thinking, boy, it'd be great to get 10 inch wide boards or eight inch wide boards and they get there and they can't find them. So then they kind of go into, well, crap mode and they just start buying up stuff because they haven't figured out that plan B. Understanding that minimum board size of the grade will always allow you to have a plan B. Or maybe plan B is your plan A and you don't need a lot of wide boards, but you can count on six by eight for FAS. And that's really huge if you think about it when it comes to planning out what you're going to buy. And this is how I do everything, especially if I'm building like a chest of drawers and I know there's going to be a lot of secondary material, all the drawer sides, all the dust frames and stuff inside the case. I don't really care about appearance much. I just know I'm gonna get six by eight boards when I do that and I can already plan out all of my parts almost like a plywood diagram and nesting all of my parts in a six by eight board. In fact, I do this in SketchUp a lot. I'll draw out a rectangle that's six by eight and I'll put all my parts in there and figure out, okay, I need to buy four pieces of poplar or maple or whatever my secondary wood is because I can count on that six by eight dimension. And that's really the key takeaway I want you to have from this grading episode is that minimum board size and that minimum cutting size really will educate you when it comes to building your shopping list so that you're going to the lumber yard prepared. Going back to episode one, and we talked about maybe the, the dying out of the board foot term. If you can go to the lumber yard, not with I need X board feet, but I need four boards, four FAS boards in this species, or six FAS boards in this particular species, then I can build my project. You are gonna be so much more successful and have really much better luck when it comes to finding that grain and color match because you have a good understanding of grade and the board sizes required. Now in a future episode, I think I'll take some time to talk about how you should prepare to go to the lumber yard so that you make sure you have success when you're there. This is at the heart of that though, understanding that grade and understanding how that's going to affect the number of boards you buy rather than the board footage. I think that's it. Please let me know if you have questions about this. Grading is something that confuses a lot of people. And I think it's because you tend to go too deep into the grading. The basic information that I gave you today is really all you're going to need to know, unless you want to pursue a career as a lumber grader. In which case, let me know. I can point you to an NHLA trainer who's really, really good. Now, again, if there are questions, by all means, visit lumberupdate.com. Go to the contact form and submit your question. Or if you want to record a voice memo and email it to me, send that voice memo to lumberupdate at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time.